Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. How many years did you do drama after school for? Like four. And then it was a three-year drama degree in New York, London, and Dublin. A four-year London degree. Friends, I give you Sarah Barron, qualified actor, reading her favourite line from this week's episode of Succession. Oh, you surprised me. You didn't tell me you were going to do that. Okay, hold on. I'm getting. I'm switching characters now, okay. which I studied how to do that. Don't threaten me, Jerry. I don't have time to jerk off. Come here, let's huddle. So much to get through after that. Uh, I do want to start, though, with your professional opinion oh. on uh, on Jeremy Strong as one, one actor to another. <gasps> well, you know, it's <laughs> insane what he's doing with his acting. And everyone in that show is just absolutely crazy. But it's unbelievable. So one actor to another, Jeremy I see you. Because it seems very good even even to me as, a, oh. as, a, as an enthusiast. We should, we should both hold our hands up and admit that while trained, I have never acted professionally. Weren't you in a, a TV commercial for some wood varnish? Yeah, but I didn't get paid for it. I was in an infomercial <laughs> for wood varnish and I wasn't paid to appear in it. They did just actually varnish a piece of my furniture. <laughs> <laughs> So I've never been paid as an actor. Let's let's begin this week with a, a quick brain dump of things from the episode before we get into it. Firstly, I genuinely don't believe that Logan would have poisoned the donuts, but I do think it's possible that he would have yelled at Hugo to have someone wipe their ass on them first before they delivered them. Oh, that's funny. So something disgusting, but yeah. but not uh, lethal. I think that sounds right. I also felt like one of my initial brain dump questions is like, can we blame it all on the donuts? Maybe, maybe. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. Also, when Roman goes to Jerry in her office... When we see her sort of screen grabbing her own name on the news, which roll, is which such is a great moment, such a great moment. Um, it felt very the beginning of The Godfather to me, mm. where it's like it's dartly. There's almost a a, a Caravaggesque. <laughs> Stick to what you know, Sarah. But there's like this <laughs> sort of. I also studied art yeah. history, but that sort of like, or is it like Rembrandt? I don't know, but that sort of like. That kind of lighting. Yeah. Roman comes to her. She's now like the number one dog. She's the head honcho at her big, darkly lit desk. And it felt very Brando in the 70s. You me. never hear of any other kind of honcho. You never hear of a honcho who isn't the head. Yeah. 
and sort of related, I noticed something, and this wasn't watching Jerry, which was such a great scene of her taking the photograph of her own name on the screen. But I, it occurred to me that when people in films or on TV are watching a TV news report in which they're directly involved, mm. they always turn it off before the end. Right. You would never do that in real life. Mm. When Woolworths closed down, they showed the pavement outside Woolworths and I saw my own feet go past. <gasps> And I must have rewound it about 15 times and watched the whole thing. I would never just turn it off. Yeah, I'd get it. I'd want to, I'd want to see my face at different angles and get depressed. We'll get deep into the episode in just a second. Before that, I'll tell you that later, we are going to be talking to Deborah Francis-White. The ultimate guilty feminist. Very excited to speak with her. Yeah, she'd be behind. I mean, that's a phenomenon, that podcast. Yeah. And uh, all, all the spin-offs of it. And she does other podcasts. She's a writer, a producer, comedian. Um, but interestingly, part of what she has done a lot of in her life is work in the corporate world. One of her big things is about being a charismatic leader. So she she thinks you can kind of find your own charisma switch and she and thinks switch you can on. teach charisma. Yeah. She should give you a lesson. <laughs> uh, and as ever, we would love to hear your thoughts. We've had a lot of email. We did our first Sprinkles podcast on Friday, which Indeed is the little mini episode where we go through the email. We've still got some leftover from that and we'd love more, please. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. We could also just start by discussing whether or not we have an unbalanced love portfolio. I, th- I think we do a little bit. You do? But I do think it's shifting sands, isn't it, in any relationship? Well, this is what I find interesting. Is it shifting sands in any relationship? Or is it shifting sands in any good relationship? So is what we're actually watching happening between Tom and Shiv about a marriage growing stronger because the weaker member of the union is ascertaining power and that redistribution will sort of be healthy for them in the long term. When uh, when she says, I love you, and his first reaction is, why? And he gives her a little bit of a hard time. Yeah. Then having done that, he gives a bit back. And as soon as, as, soon as he does, she withdraws. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, she's, the, you know, it's it's all so much of this episode with all the characters was treat him mean and keep him keen. Yes. I think it was sort of an exercise in that behavior. I sometimes, if you say I love you, I will say it back in not quite as enthusiastic a voice as the one you've used. That's not real. I'm thinking about at bedtime, you say, I love you, and then you won't let me cuddle you because you you like to be spread out in the bed and you like me to have about three centimetres at one end. Oh, that's true. I say I love you and I kiss you on your back. Because I'm not allowed to face you. Because I don't like to be (laughs) faced when I'm, yeah. I think that is me like Tom. Just trying to reclaim. Well, a, this is when Tom gra- is like a little power grab on my part. When Tom is like, you know, in season two, his famous line where he's like, "I'm not sure if the sad I am without you is worse than the sad I feel with you." Your big question is whether the sad you are with me, because I don't like to be cuddled, is worse than the sad you'd feel without me. I think you still feel that the sad you'd feel without me would be greater. We wouldn't still be together. Slash, you can't be alone, <laughs> and you haven't lined anyone else up yet. <laughs> Right then, so so my feeling is we can divide this conversation into two locations. There's the sibling summit. Sibling summit. And then there's Logan still in Sarajevo. Mm-hmm. And we've got a little bit of uh, a little bit of Greg mopping up to do. There's a little bit of Jerry mopping up to do. But by and large, that's I think that, that, that's where we'll, we'll go with it this week. So um, I wanted to start by saying it was just such... 
brilliant absurdist comic stroke to set that summit in a child's bedroom. Oh, it's just so good. I wonder if the motivation behind it was just like getting them. It sort of emphasizes the sibling relationship. It mm. forces them into because we see Shiv takes off her jacket. Her shoes are off. So, you know, she's like sat on a, a bed with her big brother and he has to like pull over his daughter's stool Kendall does to sort of sit on it to address the siblings. So my feeling watching that scene was I think it's when we start to see Shiv think more highly of Kendall. Even though she's mocking him. Yeah, even though she's mocking him. What, I make, think what makes you think that? There's a line later where she calls Tom, like when Tom, when she goes and calls Tom and Robin goes and calls Jerry before they come back and the donuts are revealed. And she says to Tom, she goes, but you can see it, right? Mm. And I almost felt like up until she listened on that occasion in his daughter's bedroom to him making that case, she couldn't really see it in Kendall. And I think while she is sitting on that girl's bed, she sees it in him. Do you think that if Kendall had managed to get any of them, but especially Shiv, one on one, without the without the peer pressure of the other siblings, there he would have been able to win her slash them over. Okay, can I answer that in a slightly roundabout way? Yes. So what I think happened was the donuts. Un- he's doing all this work. He's moving forward. Kendall is. He's getting to them, and then the donuts, and that fucks with everyone a little bit. Connor says he's out. I believe that the thing that made Roman ultimately go, no, I'm not doing this, is the cruelty from Kendall. Sarah, that's brilliant. Do you think so? Yeah, I love love it. From Kendall to Connor, because Kendall has always sort of defended Roman when Logan gets at his to his most literally abusive. And I think what we what I think this whole episode was was starting to see the true killer in Kendall. Last week, he's all over the place. He's crazy. He needs everyone's approval. Oh, yeah, man, Bojack. This week, the transformation begins. Mm. And I think seeing that cruelty, then fucking get out. I can't use you, get the fuck out. It was too triggering. And then I think Shiv goes off the back of Roman going. It's like if you see too many people make a decision that something isn't right. So she, I believe, then goes against her own instincts. I think her instincts are that Kendall's the right horse to back. So you think Kendall basically screwed himself over by being awful to Connor? No, I don't think that. I think what we see in this, and when when he yells at Jess, when finally all the siblings are out and he just screams at Jess, what? It's like... All right, Kendall, you can do this on your own. You're a fucking monster now. But isn't that awful that you're thinking, yes, now he's capable. Now well, he can no, do it. Well, it was terrifying. He's grown it was as upsetting, a character because but, he can now berate but his yes, secretary. He has, he has, I'm not saying he's grown. I'm saying he. It, we are being shown transformation. Mm. So it was like, he. So, so actually what we're seeing is that this thing he's saying where he's like, I don't, I don't need you guys. I'd like you, but I don't need you. And we're all like, okay, right, Ken. Is that what he actually starts to do is show us that that is true. I thought when he lost it with each of his siblings in turn, there was something quite Loganish about yes. the way he did it. Because with Connor, the message was, and I don't know if it was conscious or I'm guessing it was unconscious, but with Connor, it was, you're not wanted, you're not wanted, yep. leave, you're not wanted, which is Roman made the joke, but that's the message that Connor has had his whole life. With Roman, it was just a very dismissive, you're a moron. 
There's yes. no more to it than that. Where my theory falls down a little bit is he he started playing to Shiv's better nature about her her ethics. I think and- that, but this Jesse Armstrong mm. is too complex to just give us. He becomes yeah, Logan. Yeah, of, of course. Yeah. So yeah. I just I just think we're watching him. As I said, sort of get the killer instinct that his father told him that he didn't have. I wonder if Jesse Armstrong has brothers or sisters. He has to. You cannot know this thing that well if you didn't grow up with it. He knows it too well. Well, we're, we're still trying, you know, we're still hoping that I know it's early. one it's of early. our listeners comes through and manages to to find somebody for us with some connection to succession. But that, that would be like hitting the mother load, wouldn't it? Oh. If, if we managed to get one like of Jesse, Armstrong's Jesse Armstrong's siblings. younger sister, are you kidding? How heartbreaking did you find Roman's cinnamon buns? The second I saw him walk in with that box, I was like, what's he doing carrying a box? Because <laughs> there, there was some vulnerability to I, that gift giving. This is something I would love to know what our listeners made of that box. Mm. Was it there to signify some kind of apology? Like a you're in this alone and I know it already? Do you think Shiv joking about Roman's sexual dysfunction genuinely hurt him? Yes, 100%. Not a question. It's his great humiliation. Do you think it's weird to know sexual stuff about a sibling? I think I know a sexual thing about my brother. Because of the one time that I fucked him. (laughs) I once, my brother was, I did ask my sister-in-law about my brother's penis size. Right. So that I could have a visual to wank to. And (laughs) sorry, I just figured I'd ride this horse all the way home. My brother is is quite open about his masturbatory habits and... I, I could do without knowing any of those details. Well, it's very interesting that he wants you to know. I've always perhaps a little naively thought he wanted me to call like the Guinness Book of World Records. And <laughs> give, Let me tell you about this guy you, living in the north of Wales. <laughs> do you know who I think it would be interesting to talk to? Go on. Or hear from anybody who is like a sex therapist or, or knows about the psychology of sex. I want to know what is the thing that Roman has? Yeah. What is that thing Yeah. from a textbook perspective? I'm just thinking about it. So it's like he needs to feel like he's bad. So weird though. Animals aren't going around having kinks, are they? They're not able as able to get as psychologically damaged as we are, are they? I know, but it's just it's it's so weird that our psychological damage comes out in these ways. But it'd be good to hear from you. Yeah, if you are a psychologist, no, no, here's what we want: a sexologist, a sexologist. I don't trust someone. You don't think that's a real ology? I don't want that kind of ology. (laughs) That sounds like someone who'd go on television, which immediately makes you bullshit at your job. If you want my opinion, basically, I want I want a psychologist or a therapist who has has done a decent amount of work with people who are are seeing you because of issues to do with sexual dysfunction. It's getting so dark so fast. Well, should we take it even darker? Yes. So there's that bit in the sibling summit where Kendall starts saying to them all, "We look, we we don't pretend your shit doesn't stink. We all know what was going on." Yes. It's just so much to dig into there. Not not least, I find it extremely difficult to believe that Logan would knowingly be part of something where they all called each other the Wolf Pack. I can't imagine Logan yeah, saying, you "Hey, the Wolf Pack's coming over yeah, for dinner he doesn't tonight." Seem the type, maybe. That was a moment where I really got onto Team Kendall because I 
act I really disliked Shiv and Roman's inability to hold themselves accountable. And I really admired Connor and Kendall's. But is Kendall holding himself accountable? Does he believe this stuff? I Or is it his play? God. I felt I was seeing some not total, but these sort of glimmers of real accountability on Kendall's part. You know, then mixed in with all the, like the Oh, hey, my geniuses are, you know, all that kind of big time. Big, yeah, bro, all that stuff. Is it really accountability if he wants to stay at the top no. of the company no. that was responsible it, right. for it? And, and there's this culture there and he has benefited from it enormously and he will continue to do so. Well, this is what I first watched because we watched it twice before we do this. And the first time I watched, I was like, oh, part of the underlying issue here is that both Roman and Shiv have an awareness that he still wants to be the top dog. And neither of them, they're both fully ready to betray their father. They're just not fully ready to not be top dog. Upon second watch, I was like, that's not even the issue. It's about his cruelty. It's about Roman's weird loyalties. It's about Shiv just not being able, like sort of, I thought Shiv lacked a bit of a killer instinct in this one. So that betraying their father is an interesting one, because how much of it is about a hesitancy to do that because he's their father and and how much of it is, uh, we might not kill him and then he'll come for us. Well, this is what I found interesting. I thought that from Shiv, it was like, what if we can't kill him and then we get killed? And with Roman and Connor, it's like, no, that's my dad. I can't do that. I'll tell you what I did, did make my heart hurt was that oh. even though Connor knows he's being played when his dad says, you're, you're my number one boy, he still likes it. You're going to cry even now. <laughs> I'm an easy crier. You are an easy crier. What it's, I, a, you it's know, a very attractive quality. <laughs> well, it was when we first got together. <laughs> So moving, and now it's so exhausting. I have some questions for you. Mm. When the tr- the literal Trojan horse arrives, so I know what a Trojan horse is. I understand the reference. What was Stewie trying to imply? I I, I couldn't understand what how the Trojan horse metaphor was relevant in this episode. There's the kind of beware of Greeks bearing gifts as well, isn't there? And they last met in Greece. I'm just not following this. I also had a quick look on uh, on Google shopping results before to see if you could buy one of those. Oh. And it didn't turn anything up. So I love the fact that, that some prop designer would have been given that script and they would have had to oh, build God, yeah, a Trojan, Trojan horse, horse from scratch. Do you think Sandy's daughter's going to play a big part? Sandy's daughter? So she was in the back of the car. Oh, Hope Davis. She was in a terrible movie. I mean, no, sorry. It was an excellent movie, but I found it very traumatic because there was a big vomiting scene. I'm an emetophobe. Happy to discuss that. Oh my God. Can we talk about emetophobia on our Friday episode? (laughs) If anyone wants to discuss fear of a diagnosed fear of vomiting, you can, you can mention it to me. I love to talk about it. There was one big vom scene. And it was when they were in that, what was it called? What did they it, call was it? It was called like Augustes, Augustes. Yeah, it was when they went it, away to that corporate thing. It was thing. like it was Davos. supposed to but, be Davos. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And Logan throws up at the table. Because um, that's quite interesting because I, I have noticed since being with you, there's, there's throwing up in almost everything. Constant. You rarely see something where someone doesn't vomit. And if you don't see it, that makes me wonder if you have a fellow emetophobe. No, I know why there's very little vomiting. Mm. Because the fact of the matter is that in life there is very little vomiting. But in TV and film there's Because loads. it's a shorthand. It's like right. a cheap way. And the show is too good for that. And the show is too good for that. Well, shall we um, shall, shall we shift location to Sarajevo? Oh, yes. Uh, I feel we've, we've covered quite a few bits and pieces, but maybe the thing to talk about 
is Marsha. What a rayontant. <laughs> de Marcia. I just loved it so much. When upon arrival, she says to Logan, those fucking kids of yours, does he go, oh, my wife who's on my side? Or does part, is there even a percentage of him that goes, fuck, you don't talk about my kids like that. They're mine, not yours. I don't think there is. I think those were very well chosen words on her part. I love that he gets out of an affair. I mean, you know, he's going to have a price to pay, but he just says, I can't eat shit. I just can't. Pause. But sometimes I get distracted. Yeah. And with that, avoids having to hold himself accountable. And if I ever cheat on you, I am just going to say I can't eat shit, but I can sometimes get distracted. And that will be your way of knowing that I'm not going to apologize, <laughs> but I'm being somewhat contrite. What did you think of Marcia's demands? Great. Not, not the very large numbers, but the the stuff involving her son and her daughter. But it was interesting that we suddenly found out there was a daughter. I don't think we knew that previously. I wonder if... The daughter has been written in specially and we're going to meet her. Great. I really loved the bit where neither Hugo or Carolina wanted to get into it with Marsha. So funny. (laughs) Do you want to take this, Carolina? Uh, Yeah, okay, great. Thanks. Uh, I mean, it's just (laughs) incredible, incredible acting. I really enjoyed seeing Logan because I, I was was kind of worried that we were going to spend the whole series with Logan in semi-exile. I really enjoyed seeing him arrive back in the I United States. I got full States. body chills. The choreography of the return to the US. And it because it, 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 it felt like watching a, a show on a stage and her full cast. Oh, it was wonderful. Carolina giving him his, uh, his, his attache case. Oh, and, and the photographers and Shiv stays in the car. Yeah. And Marsha's here and Frank's here. And and the, and the great comedic moment of Tom. Oh, having to shuffle into the front <laughs> seat, which is, of course, lower status. So incredible. Can I give another acting shout out? Yes. Tom. When he gets on the phone and calls Greg, (laughs) the acting that he does when he's the top dog with Greg, the sinisterness, and then the sort of pathetic puppy that he performs when he's conversing with Logan. Even within that torturing of Greg, there's a moment where he becomes aware that Logan might be overhearing him. The range of Tom's performance is unbelievable. unbelievable. Um, Did the scene with Jerry and Roman in Jerry's office, did it make you think one thing or another in terms of what she's always been up to with him? I do think that maybe being in that chair in that top chair is focusing her brain in a way that thinks i'm not sure that i need the mess of roman She's the literal cl- mess. Yes. <laughs> the spooge. Spooge, spooge. I, I don't want that too close okay the salad with like cold salamis and and <laughs> hunks of like cheddar cheese that he served in the hotel room we're putting it in the cookbook this, this came up on our Friday Sprinkles episode. Uh, we're, we're trying to catalogue things that we see eaten. I mean, there's a lot to go in the cookbook this week, isn't there? Because there's the, there's the cinnamon buns. Yes. And, of course, the that, donuts, too. And the donuts and that damn Balkan salad. That shit looked disgusting. <laughs> oh, and, and what about the refrigerated cheeses that Connor had to oh, eat incredible. on his scheduled on flight? His scheduled <laughs> flight. I do feel for, for Connor. That must well, have been a real hardship. We all felt bad for him. 
Another loose end is Greg. Greg, I think, is sort of fucked now with this do-gooder lawyer. In a lesser show, this would be the seed of the turnaround that would then culminate in the Roy's being taken down. Yeah. But that that isn't going to happen. Yeah, no, you're just like, (laughs) oh, okay, you're fucked. Anyone else, if you see kind of like a a folksy lawyer with like a ramshackle office with piles of paper uh, about to take on some corporate giants, you think, oh, here we go. Yeah. Just on Greg's grandfather, what, what is he up to? I, I, you know, I don't know. I think he's he wants good, or is, that's what he tells himself. Well, that, that's what he tells himself. He wants to watch Logan fall, but 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 it's not quite that simple because he doesn't want to watch his son stab his father in the back. He just really dislikes Kendall. He doesn't like this sort of public airing of private grievances. That's what he says, right? I, I you know, I don't know. I think he's he wants good. So. Well, that that's what he tells himself, and that that's what presents to the world. I wonder what his problem is, because Jesse Armstrong doesn't write heroes. He doesn't write right. knights in shining right, armor. Right, of course. And is this something that Ewan wraps himself in, this virtue, because ultimately he's he's a loser of some kind? Yeah, maybe. I certainly don't think he seems like a good guy, but, you know, those do-gooders never are. I'm not sure that if, if we were to really say, scrutinize do-gooders and uh, uh, not good guys, I'm not sure how much that would stand up. <laughs> No, I know. You know I what I mean. like the the way that the phrase "do gooder" is a bad thing. Look at him doing good. That asshole doing good. What a cunt. <laughs> Does he think he is? Does he think doing good? Well, I think uh, I think we've covered most of the episode. There. If there's anything glaring that we've missed, please do email in and tell us what it is. Uh, also, we'd love to hear from you if you are some kind of. Not sexologist, because Sarah, Sarah. No, has I don't believe in you that, if you're a sexologist. Some kind of psychologist could, who can tell us uh, from a textbook perce- perspective what is going on with Roman. Uh, also, if you are or know a sibling of Jesse Armstrong. Also, you know, we spoke last week about unlikely crushes, and I'm st- I'm starting to feel it a little bit for Kendall. Really? Yep. Sorry. I don't think you're like a, a pint-sized gentleman. I mean, he I'm is, not. I'm not tall. He's but... teeny tiny, but you can never really. It's not like I'm stood towering over him. Oh yeah, and and anything about those cinnamon buns, all these things, and whatever else you feel needs addressing, the email address. Fuck off at firecrotchandnormcore.com. And of course, on Friday, we will have one of our mini episodes where we go through as much of our email inbox as possible. So exciting! And coming up next, we talk to. The legend that is Deborah Francis White. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. 
Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Jeff, to talk all things succession, we have, I'm going to describe you as the ultimate polymath, comedian, screenwriter, author, podcaster, the host of the revolution that is the guilty feminist. It's only Deborah Francis White. Thank you so much for joining us today, my friend. Well, I insisted on being here, Sarah. Well, <laughs> and listen, here's how I thought I actually wanted to introduce you. What I mm. with the, the song of my heart in terms of an introduction really was I'm a feminist, but the main reason I wanted you on is that you have Shiv's ass. Oh yeah. I've spoken about this on the podcast a couple of times. Shiv honestly, and I know it's amazing to say this, but Shiv is the first white woman with a with a big bum on television and that bum is lovingly uh, lingered on each week in those high-waisted trousers. Yes. Do, you, do you share the proclivity for a high-waisted uh, trouser? I do now. <laughs> She's oh, giving yeah. you the confidence. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's such a peach of an ass. I just think Shiv's ass deserves its own Emmy. Deborah, here's what I wanted to ask you. In addition to all of the projects that you are always involved in, comedically, podcasting-wise, you also do, like, quite a bit of, of corporate... Mm. You, like corporate work. And I was wondering, that bit of work that you do, how close to the world of succession has your corporate speaking taken you? Have you ever, have you done these away days? Have you ever seen anything approaching Bora on the floor? <laughs> I've certainly been with those people, not the succession people, the Murdochs, but I've seen some stuff. Maybe like Tom level person. Yes, definitely. And I've seen some stuff where you just go, what is this? Before The Guilty Feminist, a lot of my living was speaking about diversity and inclusion to senior you know, partners about how they could include diverse people more. And I'll do that for sort of any one bar, arms dealers and, and tobacco, because it's only going to make the world better and fairer. Right. I mean, I think, I don't know, because <laughs> it's, it's oh. Shiv taking over going to make this poisonous pot of exploitation better? No, obviously not. But anyway, in a company that's like a big bank you've heard of on the high street, a Barclays or a JP Morgan or something like that, the idea is the more women, the more people of colour, the more, you know, the, the less homogenised it is, the fairer it's likely to make the world better decisions might be made for sustainability or something like that. That's the idea. Anyway, so once I was taken to Switzerland and there was this, we were in a tent, like a like a sort of marquee, I think, in this most glamorous location. But we were taken there. I think there was a helicopter. Then there was there was a private boats and things going over. So it was a really fancy one. And I'd done my bit in the day and it it was private wealth. So they speak quite differently about things. And they said, gosh, I don't know if I should name the company. I mean, let's let's call them Waystar. Yeah, let's call them. Uh, uh, they said, now we're going to hear from the Minister for Foreign Affairs from Waystar. And I was on this table. I mean, I was on the I was on the outer table. I was on the table in the corner at the back. And I whispered to the person next to me, why is there a Minister for Foreign Affairs for Waystar? They're not a country. And the person on the other side went, 
They're bigger than most countries. They've all got a minister for foreign affairs. Wow. And I don't know if that's Whoa. their official title, but that's how they were introduced. I'm not making that up. So this guy gets up and he's like, so, you know, you have these conversations with Angela Merkel. You go in, you meet her. And she says, yeah, 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 yeah. But then does she really do what you ask? Whereas with Berlusconi, always you get in, you ask, and then the next day it's done. Because Berlusconi understands the the advantage of having us in his country. But he talked about how he would have private audiences with all the world leaders. So, yeah, I have seen and heard extraordinary things. And I've been offered jobs as well. Like for, for these billionaire companies once i had um forget comedy forget screenwriting come work for me you'll be a multi-millionaire in 12 months <gasps> uh, <gasps> come and teach my guys the way you know how to communicate you'll be driving a ferrari this time next year did this not appeal to you i said well where would i be driving my ferrari to though i'd be driving it away from my life I can't turn up at the end of a festival in a Ferrari, Sarah. <laughs> oh, but you could. You really could. You are just thinking, I don't care about the comedy career. I don't care about the end oh, of the yeah. festival. You just want straight into that world, don't you? I've, I want straight in. I've never realized how little of a moral backbone or compass I had <laughs> until I talked in depth to Deborah about this shit. None of this stuff would have bothered me. I would have taken that money so quickly. Deborah, would you indulge me, if only for a moment, sure. in just telling me how you think succession is doing with with its feminist ethos i would say it's similar to mad men in as much as it's depicting what it's like to be a woman in that world and that is a feminist act in succession i think what it's quite good at showing is that if shiv were a man I think she'd be a no-brainer because she's the responsible one. She's not addicted to anything. She's not childish like Roman. Um, she's not spoilt like Con. There's, there's a hubris, though. In in the last series, when it looked like she was going to be made CEO, she couldn't help but blurt it out. Yes, that was there was, there was an immaturity there. But also, he is duplicitous. You know, he takes her aside and says, it's definitely going to be you. So she leaves her great job advising potentially the next president of the United States. She She's offered, if she, if she runs the campaign, she's going to be chief of staff to the president of the United States. She leaves that because her father promises her something. How do you make sense of her marriage? I think her father's right that she's married someone not her equal, so she's just always going to be in charge. It doesn't speak well of her character, but in the world she's been brought up in, it's a feminist act. Because look at her mother. Her mother has become so brittle so solitary and so poisonous and hurtful because she's never been nurtured or given any intimacy or nourished or looked after. Tom will look after her. She's married a wife. Do you find, as someone who is married to someone that you work with, what feels realistic to you about the way succession presents a couple who works together and stays together? There have been times that caused a lot of problems because we couldn't agree on things. And there was lots of arguing. We felt so passionately about it. We were younger, so we were less mature, less able to manage our emotions. And if we'd gone on trying to co basically co-direct something, co-share a role, we wouldn't still be together, I don't think. That would, that would be your advice to Shiv and Tom Wamsgans is 
clear, like distinct roles. Wombsgans is such a great name, but it's all, it's almost like the thing that they have got is is the the ambition. Well, this is what I thought rather was than so, the relationship. What I thought was so good about last week's episode was you know we sort of see them as they're saying goodbye as they board their separate jets, and we see them sort of like struggling to relate to each other romantically, but then the second that we know that Logan is picking the new CEO in real time because they can talk business. It sort of, it bonds them together. And I think that that, like, I think we can have that sometimes where it'll be like, oh, we'll be arguing about something, but then we'll get mutually brought together by a work thing, you know, so that as much as it can cause conflict, it's like a way that you have of connecting. A hundred percent. I would find it very weird now to be with someone I didn't work with or didn't understand my work. The most romantic thing that Tom ever used to do for me, I, d- I used to do a show back in the day, Sarah, called How to Get Almost Anyone to Want to Sleep With You. He'd seen that show so many times. He used to do the lights. And if I ad-libbed something new, he would text it to me so that I might want to remember to use again. Isn't that romantic? True love. Speaking of true love, I do think that we. one thing we need to get from you is if you have any unlikely crushes on anyone in succession. Well, I heard you talking about Greg on the last episode and saying mm-hmm. no one fancies Greg. But, but but then we received quite a bit of email from listeners who uh, who contradicted that. What I texted Sarah when I heard her saying this was the following. Um, I think Greg, while not exactly sexy... Well, I'd like to teach him some things. I'm interested oh. because he'd be so tall and so grateful. And I, I'd i be I the object it. of the objectification and that is appealing. Like he would be so grateful if I said, Greg, okay, you're quite nervous. I'm going to teach you some things. Don't worry. You just lie there. I'm going to show you some things and then I'm going to instruct you through it. I'm going to tell you exactly what to do and how to do it. He'd be great to dominate, Greg. Oh, I bet that's going to really resonate with people. I bet there are a lot of women and men who want to show Greg some things. Yeah. But what what about that dynamic then? If 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 you enjoy the balance of power being uh, tilted in your favor, Deborah, the, does the does, does the Jerry Roman dynamic appeal to you? There's something about it I understand. I mean, it seems sleazy and off doesn't it but at the same time there is something about it I get right I get I kind of get it I do kind of get it you know you wonder what's in it for Jerry but I think she enjoys it I think she enjoys it because she doesn't have I mean she's CEO now acting but she knows she's going to be under Logan's heel she's smart though Jerry you know I wonder with Jerry if she's just playing her cards right and going oh it's only an administrative role oh actually I reckon Jerry might start making decisions she is CEO and she may say no to Logan. I know some of the work you've done is around charisma and leadership and there's, there's the constant jokes about Jerry having no charisma. I think she does have a quiet charisma and on the shagging front for me the sexiest possible succession fuck would be a threesome mm-hmm. with Shiv and Jerry. Oh! Yeah. those women godmother would... and goddaughter lest we forget. Are they godmother and goddaughter? Because that does put some. They in are. On. Yes. That's, a, that's a certain sort of porn that I, do, I don't. Uh, I'm not a porn person, but I bet there's a category. That's not in your search history. <laughs> so, so De- Deborah, we uh, we're giving you uh, a seat on the board here. We're issuing you voting shares. Uh, you get to cast your vote on who should be the CEO and chair of Waystar Royco, this company that you clearly wouldn't want to exist. So, who who do you give the job to, and why? Jerry is the most qualified. She's been there throughout. You know, Shiv, as much as she is the other candidate, 
Why, really? She's gone off and done a bunch of other stuff. It's That's just a monarchical handover. Kendall clearly would buckle under the pressure and wants it for the wrong reasons. If Roman takes it, I mean, it's the end of the world, isn't it? You know, <laughs> he's he's got... He's he's got absolutely no moral fiber. And we know he doesn't know, you know, he let the hit movie, the Turkey movie, he let that go, the ironically named Turkey. I think if it has to be one of the kids, it should be Shiv, obviously. But Jerry's earned it. And that's mm. that's not the dramatic answer, but it's the right answer. Or let's just give it to Cousin Greg and have a laugh. Yes, Cousin <laughs> Greg. Cousin Greg for a laugh. But Jerry for reasonableness. Well, we'll, we'll see how that plays out. We'll Can I ask out. a question? Did anybody you worked with in, uh, if listeners don't know, in the last episode, Sarah said that she worked for various people in the city as an executive assistant. And I wondered if anyone had got in touch. Not yet, but I remain hopeful. Well, I wanted to tell you, my gift to you is that I have put out a call on LinkedIn. I found three of them on LinkedIn. What? Um, what? And because I've got lots of city connections, I am sort oh. of one or two degrees of separation from three of them. Now, I think all three are currently pending. I've written uh, to Renata O'Donnell. Oh. Uh, <laughs> she's now the COO at Torch Partners. I've written, hi, Renata, you might know me from the Guilty Feminist podcast. I believe Sarah Barron was your EA around 10 years ago. I hear it was a short <laughs> but memorable stint. Do you remember her? I'll be a hero if you say yes. Thanks very much, Deborah. So oh. I've, I've written to her, Katrina Fitzgerald and Paul yes. Davis. Couldn't find the others on LinkedIn, but I'm very much oh. hoping to have some good news for you soon. I feel like I'm six years old and it's Christmas morning. That's the only you way I can describe my feelings. upstaged anything I could do for my wife for yeah, an anniversary, you're... Christmas, whatever it is. You've just completely upstaged me there, Deborah. Deborah, this well, is phenomenal. If I even get in touch, I'll be very thrilled. Uh, oh, but, and they, I, and but I would listen, request that I come back on to do a quick guest spot to uh, to set up this introduction, if that happens. Oh, I think oh, that yes, will please. be a given. This is I I did not see this Deborah Francis Wade departure coming. This is incredible. <laughs> I mean, I wanted to save um, it to the end because I felt like nothing ever... I could say after this was going to be better. If if you receive a message saying thanks for your message, Deborah, we have no memory of Sarah. Will you pass that on? How will you sugarcoat it? No, go don't don't, don't ha- just keep me guessing. That will be. This is part of the narrative arc now of our podcast is how Deborah will let me down gently. So don't spoil the surprise. It is my goal to get at least one of them and I will not rest. Oh, my God. We, yeah. we are seeing the the doggedness and the yeah, determination yeah, yeah. that builds your media empire. This here. is a businesswoman yes. that I'm talking to. Yeah, I don't, I'm not going to lie down. I'll be honest with no. you. Just, <laughs> I won't take it. Would Jerry just go, sorry, Logan, I couldn't find them? No. She'd go no, to their place of work. She'd stand out yep. in front. You're going to jerry this shit on my behalf. I, w- I would be gregging it. You would greg it. <laughs> Deborah's going to jerry it. Um, Deborah Francis White, we are so grateful to you for spending a little bit of your time with us today and for obsessing on all things succession. It was an unqualified delight. So as I mentioned before... We will be back on Friday with Friday Sprinkles. This is to set you up for the weekend before the new episode of Succession. And we'll go through as much of your email as we can get through. One here from Rachel Mendoza, who says, read the knitwear discussion. Perhaps you could ask celebrity knitter Tom Daly to make one or even create a pattern. Then listeners could download it and knit it. Well, this this is our this is, um, of course, our aspiration here. 
but we we don't have an in with Tom Daly any more than we do with anybody involved in success. You know, we're work, working on succession now. We've got celebrity knitter slash swimmer Tom Daly, but I, I would love that if somebody would reach out to him. Yeah, and get us to knit us a sweater. I just felt slightly uncomfortable saying reach out, and then another thing. I are you I, picturing I, a reach around? No, no, I'd be more comfortable with that. <laughs> it's, it's just the jargon nature of it, and Kendall is so full of jargon. I noticed. Oh my gosh. When he when he says that's a sidebar, or we we will sidebar yeah, let's that. Sidebar this. <laughs> so good. Uh, anyway, that, that, so that continues. Where does Logan get his cardigans from? Um, I'd love to hear from a stylist, a billionaire stylist. One thing I've noticed is those shops are invisible. So wherever you think the super rich are shopping, they're not. They're shops you've never heard of. What? So what I mean by that is a really rich person isn't going to the, the designer department of Selfridges yeah. and getting the nicest shirt in the department store. Aren't they? They're going, isn't no, someone no, going to buy them something? No, there? I, they're going to these tiny little shops that you get in places like uh, St. James's or Mayfair, like Savile Row, and they're having bespoke shirts made and it's all these small... Oh. Maybe it's... I think with women it's different, actually. I think the big big designers are th- a big oh thing. But God. I think those it's all this kind of bespoke stuff that is invisible to the high street shopper, even at the highest end if i had the kind of assuming that i'm healthy and you're healthy and our son is healthy like if i had the money to have like a great stylist take me to selfridges and make my cool look come together and i had someone who would like massage me twice a week not on my vagina (laughs) but on my back which is a little ropey since an accident in 2009 and if I had someone to do my hair a few times a week, I believe I would. I might just be truly happy. Do you? Does power feel and money corrupt? Is that what you're asking? The just listeners? absolute power corrupt. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I could be just a nice person with some great hair and a cool aesthetic. <laughs> if I was a billionaire. <laughs> Colin, glad to see him back. Yes, do I think, was thrilled. Do you think he was underused? This is Logan Bodyman. But I'll tell you what, I'm sort of watching Jess come into her own a little bit, so I mm. wasn't that bothered When by Kendall it. got her to clear the room. Great. It was very fun when she cleared the room. I've never noticed Saddam Hussein come up as uh, when, oh, when, yeah. when Logan calls Shiv before. Do you think she's very recently changed that? Yes, because it wouldn't make sense if her dad was able to ever see it. So she has to have changed it since she's been in the States and he's been in Sarajevo. And do you think unsubscribe will become a thing unsubscribe yeah that was great that's what shiv does when kendall starts going on about his principles thank you very much to all of you who have listened please 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 be in touch with us jeff honey my love do our email address for everyone you can do it fuck off great see i don't sound at all sinister fuck off. I, I sound like tom would if he was shouting at someone oh, other yeah. than greg other than greg <laughs> It's uh, at firecrutchandnormcore.com. So please email us. Hearing from you is the bright spot in our day. And of equal importance, please rate and review the podcast only if it's nice. Just ignore us if you hate it, because it really is what what gets this podcast out into the world and makes other people know about it. And we're just two middle-aged dreamers. And don't you want to support the dreams of the middle age? Isn't it inspiring when people in their 40s achieve something, especially (laughs) when they're white? (laughs) Anyways, just rate and review it. It would mean a lot to us. And I think that's it. We'll, We'll talk to you Friday for Friday Sprinkles. 